You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. We got a good one today for you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. No Noah Gardner today. He's got some business to take care of. So you got me, Levi Fitzwater, here with you. Also, we got intern Sting. We got a fun-packed show. We're going to talk some Auburn basketball. Probably hit up with the whole NCAA. What's Alabama looking like? They got a big game tonight at Arkansas. We'll talk a little Auburn baseball. We're going to hit up on some Cam Newton comments as well from what he said earlier this week. Again, I'm going to remind you guys to give us a call if you want to talk to us. 334-321-1390. And if you didn't get that, 334-321-1390. And you know what they say, third time is a charm. Call us. Talk to us. If you want to hear anything, you want to talk Auburn basketball, you want to talk Auburn football. I mean, we just had the Auburn high school basketball team win a double overtime thriller to advance to the final four of the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Final four. Advance to the final four, double overtime thriller in Montgomery. Buddy Jacob Hillman was on the call, friend of the show. He was up there calling that game for us. Congrats to those Auburn Tigers as well to make it to the Final Four. Yeah, you want to call up here, talk all about that? Give us a call, 334-321-1390. I'm going to say it again, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. You could talk to us about anything, NFL, basketball, it doesn't matter. You want to talk about hockey? I'll talk hockey with you. They got the Cats purring down in Miami. Florida Panthers in first place. You got the Sabres, well, still being the Sabres. Call us, talk about anything. Except soccer. Please don't call and talk about soccer. Sting, <laughs> how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, Levi. It's a beautiful day. I've been looking forward to this pretty much all day. I'm excited to just get a chance to kind of spread our wings a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, we are untethered. I got the keys to the car, and you know what that means? Two hours of uninterrupted masked dancer recap. Joy For ride. two hours, that's what we're doing is talking masked dancer. I'm just kidding. We got some basketball news <laughs> that we're going to hit up with. Auburn got absolutely shellacked last night at home and you kind of figured that out seven minutes before tip out or before tip off that was the big news of what happened with that game no Sharif Cooper battling an ankle injury and it's funny I heard a lot of people who thought it was something with his arm because the way his bag that he had when they first showed him on the sidelines on the broadcast they they like showed him with his little bag and it had a strap and it looked like his arm was in a sling and I had people texting me worried about it and they said never mind it was just a strap from his bag Again, no Sharif Cooper. Auburn gets beat at home by Florida, 74-57. to Sting, you got any thoughts on that game and what transpired? Well, I mean, Bruce Pearl said after the game just that they didn't have starting caliber guards last night. I mean, he said we were a couple of guards short. They haven't had Justin Powell in almost two months now. And we've seen what Auburn looks like, at least in conference play, without Sharif Cooper. It hasn't been pretty. It wasn't pretty again last night. I believe this is their Auburn's uh, lowest Scoring total in SEC play. I think the only game overall in the whole season where they've had less points was 55 against UCF. So, I mean, I felt like I saw it coming once I heard the news. But, yeah, I mean, that's just how that happens sometimes. I mean, you have a guy 
and Alan Flanagan, who's having to play a point guard, and that's not his position. No, not and at all. I just want to go bring up that quote from Bruce Pearl after the game. It's really hard to ask Allen to come off of a position where he can be one of the top 10 to 15 players in the league off the ball and play point guard. It's hard, and it is hard. I mean, you're asking a guy who is very who, – again, Bruce Pearl said he could be a top 10 to 15 player in this league off the ball, and you're making him have to play point guard, which is not, not what Allen Flanagan – No, he's no. not great ball handler – and yeah, I guess he is their most experienced player. He just and he played 35 minutes last night. He's I think. just he's just not he a point guard. Yeah, he's not he a point guard. He can't that's, play 35, and minutes. that's upset. Like it's it's a it's unfair to put any negative blame on Flanagan for anything that happened last night in terms of him having to play out of position. That's not his position. He's not a point guard. He doesn't want to play with the ball in his hands in that sense. That's just how this Auburn team has been, though. When Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell haven't been in the lineup. Your two, the two guys that you would want handling the ball, Sharif Cooper a lot more so than Justin Powell. I think Justin Powell will flourish more when he when he comes back. What I assume, shoot guy. Yeah, yeah, I assume he'll come back next year. I assume he's done for the Definitely. year. Um, I just think that he is better off as a true two guard and not a one. But again, just no no real point guard on this roster to really take over and help. And also, it came out that Jamal Johnson was battling some flu like symptoms. Throughout the week, he was on IVs throughout the week. Uh, he tested negative for COVID multiple times. So, I don't know what that impacted him. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you, if you're on IVs all week, you're going to be tired. You're going to be yeah. sluggish. If you have a flu or a cold, it's hard to play a game of basketball. I've done it before in high school. It's hard. There, there's a reason the Michael Jordan flu game is a thing because yeah. it is incredibly hard to run up and down the court when you're feeling like that, especially when you've been on IVs for the entire week. Yeah, and then he played 31 minutes last night. That's that's crazy. So if you ask me, then I guess he he played probably as well as he could have if he if he was on fluids all week. But just really just kind of a recipe for disaster. I think once the news came out that Cooper wasn't going to play because of an ankle injury, and I I think from the beginning from the outset Auburn was just kind of overmatched as a result. Oh, I mean the second I saw Sharif Cooper sitting on the sideline. I thought to myself, "Wow, this is not going to happen." Like there, I said, because we were talking about on the air yesterday how Auburn actually went into that game as a two-point favorite, um, yeah. and I thought that I thought that was fair. I thought they were going to come out and play a little bit better than they played at LSU, and I think there was a combination of different things that resulted in that line. But then Sharif Cooper doesn't play. You throw all of that out the window, and I'm thinking yeah. this might get ugly, and it, it did. It did get ugly. Yeah, it's a whole, it's just a whole different ball game. I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a whole different ball game, and we want to hear from you guys if y'all want to come talk Auburn basketball with us. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I'm itching to talk to you guys of what you guys think. Sting, is this the end for Shreve Cooper at Auburn? Do you think he's going to play the last few games, or at least the end for this season? Do you think he's going to come back and play? I think he may may be done for the season. I could see depending on how bad the injury is. If the SEC reschedules that game against Mississippi State, I would assume that would be next Saturday. But it's hard to recover from an ankle injury. So it may be it. I hope not. I hope he comes back for another year. I think personally that he needs another year to, for one thing, develop a three-point shot. Develop any kind of shot. Yeah. Any shot that's not a layup or a floater. Like any kind of shot, that, any jump shot. Any kind of jump shot needs to be developed in his game. We've made the the comparison has been made a lot of times. Markel Fultz. That's where I yeah. think Sharif Cooper is right now. The issue is... I, I mean, I think he'll benefit from coming back and developing that three-point shot or a jump shot. We've seen guys taking a number one who had no three-point shot or jump shot. 
You've seen yeah. Ben Simmons. You've seen Markel Fultz. Those guys got picked number one overall, and Ben Simmons still can't shoot. Markel Fultz developing it just a little bit before you know the ACL but it's been injury this year. Three or four years since Markel Fultz was drafted, right? So that's a heck of an investment. Yeah, I mean, to draft a guy like Cooper. I mean, he's not even on the team that he was drafted by. He's not. Yeah. So it was a wa- so it was a waste of a number one pick. Yeah, I think he. I think Shreve Cooper would benefit a lot from coming back. I think it'll be telling, at least at least for me, and I could be looking too much into it. I think if Sharif Cooper does not come back this season, I think he's NBA bound. In my in my brain, that's how I feel. I think he's resting that ankle in preparation. I think it's just telling if he's resting the ankle in preparation for the NBA. And I feel like that again, I could be overlooking. He could just be actually hurt. Ankle injuries are tough. You've seen it. Well, he was in a boot, so which I guess could just be keeping up appearances. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, but you see, when uh, I always always equate to it, I don't know what the specifics are on the ankle injury, but uh, any ankle injuries, especially high ankle sprains, you see guys who try to rush back into that. And again, I could be lo- overlooking into this because just from my thought process, you know, just from my thought process, I'm thinking he's gonna really just waited out for the NBA. Think about NFL. You had Alvin Kamara last year or two seasons ago, Michael Thomas this year. Again, most of my knowledge I know of Saints. Ben Roethlisberger had it a few years ago. Three guys who tried to come back too quickly from high ankle sprains and just weren't themselves. Sharif Cooper, if he is as hurt, like if he's way too hurt, he doesn't need to play at yeah, all. I, I mean, agree. he's way too talented. You don't want to aggravate that injury anymore. You want to sit on and the bench. you're not playing for anything either. So Yeah, it, it would be different if you were trying to push for a postseason push or maybe – increase your seating in the SEC tournament, but there's nothing to push for. I mean, yes, there's team pride. You want to win. You want to upset Alabama at the end of the year, and right. you want to knock off Tennessee as well. Without Shreve Cooper, but neither of those games happen, in my opinion. I don't think yeah. either of them – I don't think I don't think there's a chance Auburn can beat either of those two teams in Tennessee and Alabama if Sharif Cooper does not play. I mean, I could be wrong in that, but I just don't think it's possible. I think Sharif Cooper probably just sits out the rest of the season. If I was him, I probably would. Even if I'm not going to the NBA, just I would just rest up. Yeah. I mean, that's you're at this point of the season to just rest up, and I think this would be a good chance for, for this Auburn staff to see what they have on the rest of the roster. They could go top to bottom and kind of get some guys in, let them play, see what we have going on. I know it would be tough. For Auburn fans to sit there and have to think about that and have to watch Sharif Cooperless basketball for the next few weeks, but I, it might be what's best for him. It might be what's best for the team. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, without Cooper, I don't see how this team, as they currently are, could beat Tennessee or Alabama. I mean, I just don't see it. Yeah, it, at all. It just seems unlikely. That's it requires. It requires guards. I mean, like Bruce Pearl said, they don't have guards right now. So you're what, playing without. What are you going to do? Yeah. If I you, mean, if you're missing true starters for two positions out of the five, then you don't have a good shot. And yeah. You just don't have a shot. I don't disagree shot. with anything you said there. So if I'm, and to be fair, 74 to 57 score that Florida beat, Al- or Florida beat Auburn by, it feels unfair to me to be too hard on that because they play with a lot of energy they this wasn't what happened to LSU LSU Auburn came out flat they Mm -hmm. came out didn't want to play they there was no energy it was apparent from watching this this team played this team played hard last night and I will give that to them I hate moral victories I'm not a moral victory guy but when your best player is down and you don't have any point guards or guards really for that matter that can handle the ball Alan Flanagan should not be in that position 
He did he did well for what he had to do because that's not his position. I don't care what the stat lines say about him. He did. He, he was asked to do something that he's not comfortable with. Right. And regardless of his stat line, I mean, he, he went over six from the field last night. Alan yeah. Flanagan did. That's and that can result from scheming and how he's being used in this game. It's just not fair. It's not fair to put too much on him. It's not fair to put too much on this Auburn team, where you don't have a guy playing, who is your primary ball handler. He's a top talent. I mean, projected top ten pick in the NBA draft this year. That's that's just what we're. That's what you're going into, and it's hard. You look at the turnovers, twenty one turnovers. 21, yeah, and I, I believe that, 14 of those were in the first half, which is a major factor of having only 22 points at halftime. And Florida made had 19 points off of those. Off of them. Off of those 21. That's the difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a difference in the game. You take that, and it's a close game. Mm-hmm. But what do you expect? You don't have a point guard, and it's hard. It, you don't have a guard that can handle it. I think, and just to kind of reiterate this, I really do think that Sharif Cooper should sit out the rest of the season. Him and Justin Powell both. I'm like almost locked in that Justin Powell's not coming back. I said yeah. that about a month ago that I didn't think he was coming back. Just sit it out. Just sit it out. Get your health right. If you're going to the NBA draft, you don't want to go in injured. If you're coming back for an, another year, you don't want to be yeah. injured next year. Come back year. in November when you're 100%, right? Yeah, just come back when you're feeling well and – just make sure that you got to think of yourself first. And I know it sounds that's that's a selfish way to look at it when you're thinking of a team game. But when you have a guy like Sharif Cooper, that's just that's what he is. I mean, he is that he is the team almost at this point because he's the most talented player on the roster. You want him to be well and you want him to be successful at the next level. And I think keeping yourself injury free is a big part of that. Yeah, I agree. You just you don't want the kid to hurt himself more by aggravating an injury that he's already got and potentially damage his future in the sport because Shreve Cooper is going to the NBA one way or another whether it's now after this year or if it if he stays another season and goes in for the uh, 2022 draft he, he he's an NBA player and risking that now for really nothing it's not it's not worth it it's, it's not worth it at all and it's not worth it and that's just what it is we'll talk more about this later on in the show and about what this means for the Tigers for the rest of the way And then coming back after this break, I think we are probably going to hit up some Alabama basketball talk. They're going to Arkansas tonight. Big game. Alabama actually the underdog in this game. So we'll see you later. Stay on the line with us right after the break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. Again, no Noah today. He's got things to talk to. You're listening to us on the line. ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. Go check out our podcast. You can find it almost everywhere that you can find podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I'll give you a hint. Go subscribe to it. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Review it. Unreview it. Re-review it. Get those ratings all the way up, guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just listen to us. Find our podcast. We love to hear from you guys. We love the interaction. The best interaction, you can call and talk to us. You can come in and hop on and tell us what we're doing wrong. You can tell us what you want to talk about. It could be anything. It could be sports related. It could be Auburn related. It could be NFL, NBA, college basketball, recruiting, you name it. We want to hear from you. So call in 334-321-1390. And you know what? That was kind of fast. Let's go again. 334 321 
1990. Nice. Give us a call. Give us a call. We want to talk. Hey, if you want to talk about anything, you talk about food. You want to talk about steaks? I'll talk about the best cut of steak you can get. I'll talk about how you can season a steak the best way. We'll talk about fast food. What's your favorite fast food or what's not your favorite fast food? What do you like? What do you not like? We'll talk about it all. It doesn't matter. We just want to hear from you guys. 334-321-1390. We talked about Auburn basketball earlier in the break. It kind of feel or earlier in the show, it feels like rest of the season, it's going to be tough for the Tigers. You, you, we don't know Very. when that Mississippi State game is coming back or if it even comes back. You have Tennessee and Alabama to finish out the season for sure, on your schedule. Two ranked teams. Two ranked teams. One of them at home. That helps you out if Sharif Cooper is playing. Well, I don't know. Auburn's 2-5 and five at home this season. In yeah. Play, I would say so. it's, not, it's not as – the jungle isn't as popping as it is pre-COVID lifestyle. It doesn't just ha- – it just yeah. does not have those guys. It doesn't have that – what is it? A six-man mentality. It just doesn't have that energy that it used to have. And – that's nobody. So that's not the fans' fault. That's just the that's what we live in right now. That's I mean, somewhat, somewhat. I have seen a couple of uh, less than enthused fans in attendance, but when you're not at full capacity, it's hard to really get it going. Saying what do you, how do you feel like in those last two games? Do you think Auburn can steal a game from either of those two teams? I could see it happening, but if I were making like real predictions on it, I would say no. I just don't believe that they have. The depth or the experience or the star power to defeat either of those, maybe hang with them because they don't know what those games will mean. I mean, Tennessee and Alabama are kind of rivalry games, but yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't either, and I think it, it's a hundred percent on if Sharif Cooper comes out to play. And I hate to say that in a team sport, without him, they have, in my opinion, I don't think they have a shot because I think they're just outmatching every facet of the game. When you look at who they're playing against in Tennessee and Alabama, Tennessee been wildly inconsistent this year. I could see a, I could see them getting a bad Tennessee team, or not a bad Tennessee team, but a Tennessee team that comes in and plays not up to what we've seen their highs can be. If Tennessee comes in and plays on one of their lows and one of their lulls that we have seen out of Tennessee, I could easily see Auburn being able to beat them at home if Sharif Cooper is playing. I just don't think he's going to play which means I don't think they're going to have the proper ball handling and facilitation to beat this Tennessee team. They're a great defensive team, or a very good defensive team, Tennessee is. And then you got Alabama, the buzzsaw, who's sitting at a two-line in the NCAA tournament right now, and they could even move up. You had Illinois drop last night. They yeah. lost at Michigan, or at Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken. They lost to them. And Michigan State, we've talked about it, hasn't been a great Michigan State team from their standards, but Illinois drops, Illinois drops to them, and Alabama's sitting there Oklahoma also lost as well. So if you're if you're Alabama, you're sitting there thinking if you can get Ohio, if you can look better than Ohio State, you can draw a one line. You can yeah, get poised to jump into the top four. Yeah, at least in the AP. So and yeah, and I mean again, Joe Lenardi has them as a as a two seed right now. I think they could do it. Um, it would take them to run out the rest of the way. Yeah. And it would take them to have a good showing. I think they have to win the SEC tournament. They have to win out at least in my opinion, because I think the teams around them are so talented, at least in terms of Michigan and Ohio State, I think those two teams would be able to really... I, I just think those two teams would be able to... Like, I don't think you can... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't think you can remove those teams yeah. from their spot without winning, winning out winning the SEC. And we'll continue on this Alabama train. They are playing Arkansas tonight on the road. 
Fun fact, Arkansas actually favored in that game by two points. What do you feel like on that one, Sting? How are you feeling? Well, Arkansas is an interesting case. I mean, they kind of – I've been really high on them ever since they hired uh, Eric Musselman, I believe, from Nevada. I yep. thought that was a great coaching hire that they were going to get back very soon with him. And they kind of stumbled early in conference play this year. Now they're 9-4. and four. They've ripped off six or seven straight wins. I don't think they've lost a game in over 30 days, maybe almost 40 days now, something like that. So they're playing really good basketball right now. They, they've found themselves in the top 20, and this is a huge game for them. I mean, I'm not exactly sure about all their playmakers. Desi Sills is probably the best playmaker on that team. And as far as Alabama's concerned, you know, I, they're 13-1 in the SEC. That kind of speaks for itself. I mean, they're, they're, they're a buzzsaw. They've been the best team yeah. in the SEC this year. They're the most, probably the most experienced team in the SEC, so that helps so much. Alabama is just poised. They're, yeah. they're, their team makeup is just built for this type of the year, for this time of year. Yeah. When it gets to tournament time, they're built for this. They have veteran guard play, good guard play. They're an experienced team. They've got a little bit of youth splashed in there as well. I just think that this Alabama team is good. And with all that being said, it's a weird line when you look at it and you see Alabama as an underdog on the road. And there's a reason for that. Arkansas, 13-1 yeah. at home this year. That's a tough place yeah, to play. Yeah, and it's just home court advantage, right? That so is, it's, yeah. it's it's hard to play there. Even in an era where we have less fans because of COVID-19, it's hard to play. It is hard to play at Arkansas. It always is. It always will be, at least, you know, for the foreseeable future. I could see Alabama going in and struggling tonight. I could. I mean, we've seen a lot of top teams sort of drop here lately i mean ohio mm-hmm. state there's isn't really that bad it was against michigan who's they the number felt. three team right yeah that and was i think that i don't think there's that much separating michigan gonzaga and baylor in my head like i know gonzaga and baylor are above them but i don't think that that leap is too far i think that yeah. michigan has narrowed that gap a lot and then you have illinois who dropped last night we hit on that oklahoma as well i think alabama this will show me if they're a one seed if like a truly a one seed and we we talked about this so many times about how it's a down year and some of these one seeds are and two seeds aren't really ones and twos in a traditional year this will show me if Alabama is truly a one seed there's no doubt in my mind that they're a really good basketball team they're a great basketball team there's a reason they're as highly ranked as they are there's a reason that they're 18 and 5 that this Alabama team is good they are for real they're poised to make a good tournament run this will show me if they are the one seed that they're being perceived and tried to make it up to that line right now. Yeah, I agree. This will show if they're a one seed or not. And uh, maybe and if they lose tonight, maybe instead of a two seed, maybe as low as a three or four seed, depending on how the next couple of games go. I mean, I mean, you could see a you could see a situation with this Alabama team where they end up as a three seed if you drop this if you drop this game at Arkansas and then you don't do very well in the SEC tournament. I think yeah. it'd be enough to drop them to a three seed. And if Sharif Cooper plays for Auburn and they go in. And get an upset on Alabama. That would definitely that yeah, would probably I think that would solidify them. In one of the next two games. I think their next two games after this one are Mississippi State and Auburn. So not exactly cream yeah, of the crop not, competition. Not exactly world beaters, those two teams are, especially Auburn without Sharif Cooper, if he doesn't play in that game. It's a big if. I don't think we're seeing him for the rest of the year. That's just I don't really have anything on that. I'm just going gut. I think that he's probably just gonna set it out and just sort of rest himself. Yeah. I think that's probably good for him as well. But yeah, I mean this Alabama team, they're set up to where they really control their destiny here. I think if they win out, I think they'll end up being a one seed. But from what I've seen, 
and you need a strong showing in the SEC tournament. You really do. I think if Alabama can go these last few games and just sort of ride it out and get everything going, they could be a one. But you also could look at a situation where Alabama could be a three if they come out and look poorly against an Arkansas and Mississippi State and Auburn. And I'm not saying lose. I'm saying they come out and just look bad. Or yeah. you get bounced from the SEC tournament early. by Maybe maybe you get upset by a Kentucky if that happens and you end up playing them. That would be wild. We, me and you were talking about the situation where how funny would it be for a year where all the Blue Bloods were pretty bad. Kansas looking like a tournament team right now. Probably, Duke, yeah. Duke, one of three undefeated teams right now, you know, because we don't count anything prior to Jalen Johnson leaving. <laughs> Duke honestly should be in the conversation for a one seed, if we're being honest. But Duke looking like they're making a tournament push. North Carolina probably going to end up in the tournament. What if Kentucky won the SEC tournament? And got themselves an and automatic bid. And got themselves bid. an automatic bid. I could see it happening. And then those four, like some of those, one of those four, or two of those four, three of those four, four of those four make it to the final four in a year where everybody said the Blue Bloods were terrible. That would be the worst thing ever. This is like, this This is the worst Hollywood script ever. Yeah, it's, it would be such a, I mean, it would be a narrative. It would be a narrative to write home about where everybody was talking about how bad the Blue Bloods are this year. We could see a situation where all four of those teams make it in. Still, it's still alive. I mean, Duke, Duke could win out most of their. You know, I think if Duke wins out the rest of their schedule and has a strong showing in the ACC, I think they're in. I think we've they're too. they're on the first four outline right now. They should be able to beat those teams. You got Georgia Tech coming up on their schedule. I know they got North Carolina. You beat North Carolina and Georgia Tech and have a good strong showing in the tournament. I think you are or in the SEC or in the ACC tournament. I think they're in for sure. Yeah. Kentucky, it's going to take them upsetting some guys and winning the SEC tournament, at least right. in my opinion. I haven't looked too closely on that. but I just, believe Kentucky's like 7-14-something. Just, just off of what I've seen this year, Kentucky would absolutely have to win the SEC tournament. And for me, who just has – I have a yearn for chaos. I love chaos, and I think that would be so fun. And we're thinking of chaos with the Blue Bloods. How often does that happen? Most of the time you're Doesn't. thinking chaos with Loyola, Chicago, and Davidson, and Charlotte. I mean, that's just crazy to think that. So, who knows? I, I want to. It's going to play out. I'm interested to see what this Alabama team does against Arkansas tonight. Yeah, and another reason why this is so big for Alabama is that they've struggled on the road in the last month. You know, they've, they've played three road games. South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina was a three-point win. Their other two road games that they played, they lost at Missouri and they lost at Oklahoma. So, they need to make a statement as far as their capabilities as a road team here to the selection committee, I think. I agree with that. You know what else would be a big statement? Sticking around with us and enjoying today's radio show. The biggest statement. We'll see you guys after the break, all right? Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting on ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama. We want to hear from you guys. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Call us and talk about anything. We just want to hear you guys. We want to hear you guys' voice. Just call in, talk to us. Call in and say, hey, we don't mind. We're nice. We're nice guys. We'll talk to you a little bit. So some news that just kind of came in from us while we were on the break. Tiger Woods accident yesterday not being linked to any alcohol or anything like that. They're saying that it purely seems like an accident. Yeah. And that's really good news for that involved. You know, everybody's still thinking about Tiger Woods and hoping that he remains okay after that accident. 
Some more news, Auburn today. We're going to hit on this later. Auburn football. Mark Anthony Richards. He's going, going to UCF. He's going to be a Golden Knight. He's he is linking back up with his former coach Gus Malzahn down in Orlando. Probably going to be a big addition for them, I would assume. We'll hit that later on. We start talking some more college football. We're going to kind of shift our focus right now to the NFL with an Auburn link. Cam Newton was in the headlines this past week. He had the kid at his camp who... For a number of reasons, right? Yeah, he had the kid at his camp who uh, was heckling him a little bit. And I, I do want to touch on that because I think Cam Newton ha- handled that as professionally as you possibly could in a sense that if a lot of people saw what happened afterwards where he was actually trying to engage with the young man and he was trying to sit there and talk to him and ask him what position he plays, what's he do, what's his stats, all this, that, and the other... I think it's big. I mean, yeah, you have to think these are young kids. I saw a lot of people dragging that kid. And yes, he made a mistake. He's a young guy. He's a young guy. He's in high school. I know I can't have that conversation with Noah because Noah thinks at 18 years old, everybody has their entire life together and they're just fully blown making great decisions because Noah makes good decisions. So everybody's going to make good decisions. <laughs> and that's just because Noah's such a great dude and you can't find a better co host again. No Noah today. We're missing him out. It's just me and Sting here in the studio i think that that kid knows he made a mistake he was just running his mouth a little too much and i really like what cam i like what cam did there i really like it. i do too i think he just he made like he made some good points it was a coaching moment we say there's always coaching moments in not just in sports there's coaching moments in life there are times where you get egg on your face or Mm -hmm. you just make a bad mistake or a blunder you can learn from that there and there's it's good to see that cam was able to kind of take that and show the kid and talk to him. And I know that the kid, he got drug on social media. I'm pretty sure he deleted his Twitter, if I remember correctly, throughout the, the span of events. I'm hoping that it doesn't impact him too much. And I think that this kid right. should bounce back. I mean, you just got national attention brought to you at, what, 17, 18 years old, maybe 16. I don't know how uh, how old the kid is, but not It'd a great be a little look. bit overwhelming if it was me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would be, I would be horrified. I mean... Imagine you're at that. If I can look back at that age and imagine if I spoke out of turn and I said something that I regretted to a professional athlete and it got put all over social media, yeah, the I, whole country knew about it. Yeah, like, you. I mean, you. You're on sport. Like they're talking about it on sports. Like on Sports Center, ESPN, and all those different affiliates. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. But that was not the only thing that Cam Newton was in the news for. He claims that he is better. Than 32, he said there are not 32 starting NFL quarterbacks better than him, or there are not 32 quarterbacks in the league that are better than him. I don't remember what that was said on. I know it was with Brandon Marshall and that little show, but that's going to open up our discussion. And again, guys, if you want to participate on this discussion, give us a call 334 321 1390. Me and you, we talked about this before. We didn't really want to research this, we kind of want to just have a free flowing conversation here and just let it flow. Sting, do you think there are 32 quarterbacks in the NFL better than Cam Newton? No. But I don't know. I, I Again, it's it's free-flowing. I, I wanted us to be able to sit here and hit. I want our honest opinion before we really started deep diving into it because there are names that are going to pop up and we're going to go, yeah, well, Cam's better than him. Right. Cam's better than him. Or is he? Or really? The first name that I thought of when I was looking over this, I thought Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton played – not great last year, but Cam didn't play great last year. And I'm going to excuse Cam Newton's play last year simply for he's on a bad team. He, he I mean, he's... And his he, shoulder. I he's, mean. he's an older Cam. He's an older yeah. Cam. He's battling injuries. That's a thing. My And he... The COVID thing. After he had COVID, he looked like 
he looked like an old, like Cam. He looked like Cam before COVID, and then he gets COVID and he really never bounced back. And you've heard a lot of guys who have dealt with that. Miles Garrett being the most prominent one, mm-hmm. where he said he was struggling to catch his breath a lot of the time throughout the season. I, but the uh, going back to that Andy Dalton debate here, I uh, I tried to justify saying that Andy Dalton was not better than Cam, even though I think his stats are probably a little bit better. Andy Dalton's throwing to Amari Cooper. Andy Dalton is throwing to Michael yeah. Gallup. Andy Dalton is throwing to CeeDee Lamb. He's got a Zeke behind him. He's got a good offensive line in front of him. It I'm was, also not sure if using Andy Dalton is totally fair simply because Dak Prescott is Dallas' starter. Yeah. Like Andy Dalton is not starting quarterback. Prescott well, is. Well, I was, he's hurt. I was starting that from at least from a backup perspective. Right. So if you're saying that Cam Newton – okay, Yeah, yeah if you're saying that. there are 32 quarterbacks better than him, that would put Cam in a backup tier. Right. And point. I don't think that – I, I don't think they're comparable right now, him and Andy Dalton. I think he's a better quarterback than Andy Dalton. If we move over to the starting quarterbacks. I mean, is he better than Jared Goff? I uh, That one's fringe. Um, it, I'm going to learn a lot about Jared Goff this year in yeah, Detroit. He's out definitely. of that Sean McVay system where a lot of people are saying he's a system quarterback. He's this, he's that. I want to see what he does with Man Campbell and that just brute. Yeah, we have to come back to that one, I think. That uh, busting kneecaps and ripping people's hearts out and taking chunks out of their leg mentality that – they're they're implementing up there in Detroit. There's there's the obvious ones. He's not better than that. We're not going to really get into Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, all those Deshaun guys. Watson. Uh, yeah, Deshaun Watson, uh, Mitchell Trubisky. I I think can play better yes. than Mitchell Trubisky. Um, yeah, I, Cam is better than Trubisky. Absolutely. And Trubisky was playing a little bit better towards the end of the year. And maybe it's not fair for Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky because maybe it's a little bit of a scheme issue for him. But I think Cam was better than him. Cam had less weapons and look better with less weapons around him. I mean, Trubisky has Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. And, oh, God, I know that so many people have seen the Darnell Mooney clip of him running routes just almost to perfection, just such crisp route running, and then being overthrown by about 10 yards by whatever quarterback's in, whether it's Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky. I can't figure out Nick Foles as a quarterback. I mean, he's only his whole career. He's I mean, only good when he comes in. He's like He's like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He only comes in. When he he only comes in and wins, he doesn't he doesn't win if he can't be a long term quarterback. If he's the expected so like, if he's the expected starter, not, you're not going very over, far. Right? Yeah, you're not going very far if he's the expected starter. But if he's coming in off the bench with no expectations, you gotta look out for that guy. Who's um, the Jaguars' current starter? I mean, I uh, it was uh, Minshew for a little bit. Min- Minshew was there. Um, yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take Cam over take Cam Minshew. Over I think Minshew. he looked better. I think he looked better than Alex Smith. I looked a little bit. He looked. I think Cam. I think he's probably better than Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is any good. I'll. Uh, I'll take that. Drew Locke has had moments. I'll take Cam over Drew Locke. Drew Locke's too young, I think, to pass judgment on. Yeah, I, I think he has all the ability. Like he has all the potential in the world. But if I'm just going right now, I would. I would rather have Cam Newton starting, at least for a one game sample size. Yeah, I might take Drew Locke over Cam Newton simply for the, for the season. Simply for the fact with, of the long term potential that Drew Locke poses. Um a lot of people are down on Tua. A lot of people said Tua didn't look great this year. I still have faith. I mean, Tua is one of the most accurate quarterbacks yeah, I saw just coming like out. Drew Locke, I think, is just too young right now to I, I just think there was way too much. Um Taysom Hill, obviously better than Cam. That's not even a question, not even close. Uh <laughs> Daniel Jones, I'm taking Cam well, over Taysom Daniel. Taysom Hill's Jones. not gonna be the starter. Jameis is gonna be the starter. I mean Jameis way better than Cam Newton too. Uh, not, I mean, I think I kidding about the Taysom Hill, not kidding about Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston's going to. This might be a bold prediction. I think he comes out 
in that Sean Payton offense and he flourishes, I think he's going to look good. All the reports coming out of the Saints camp is that Jameis has been wowing them at practice and wowing them throughout the season. We saw Saints all there getting with Taysom Hill. They didn't like it, and I think Jameis is going to be the starter moving forward for them. I would take Jameis over Cam Newton right now. I think he has just a little bit – he has a little bit more to offer. I mean, Yeah, he, I can't disagree, and he's younger too, so at he's still point, he's still th- He's still through 30 touchdowns. If you can just knock down the interceptions, watch out. That's the issue. If you can just knock down interceptions, watch out. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had more passing yards in his first five seasons than Tom Brady had if I'm not mistaken, and Jameis Winston. I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he's better than Cam Newton right now. I'll take, again, I'll take Cam over Alex Smith, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm trying to think if there's any guys. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, um, I think he's way too old. I think he's washed. I'd take Cam over him. I think I think that'd be an upgrade for the Steelers. Ooh, I don't know about that. That's a tough one. That one. I mean, they're almost in the same area just in terms of they're both – not in their prime and they're they've had a lot of injuries that are starting to kind of pile up and affect their game a little bit um Sam Darnold is another wild one I think I take Sam Darnold I just think that I'm gonna go off the basis with Sam Darnold it's the same defense I had with Cam Newton where I said Cam Newton didn't have the weapons around him I don't think Sam Darnold had the weapons he's also tethered to Adam Gase and we've seen we have seen what Ryan Tannehill did when he got away from Adam Gase you saw him get away. And Starter he, signed a nice little contract with Tennessee. And looks great doing it. I mean, he's a top quarterback. Like, I wouldn't say he's not I, He's not an elite quarterback, but he's a top. He's I'd an, say he's top 12. He's a Yeah, I would say he's definitely a top 12, top 15 quarterback in this league. He's not up there with the Aaron Rodgers. And, and he's not Patrick young Mahomes. either, so that makes it even more amazing. Yeah, I think Tannehill, I, I love Tannehill. I love his game. I think he's a great quarterback. And that's why I still, a lot of people have jumped off the boat for Sam Darnold here. And I think that. I'm not going to pass any judgment on Sam Darnold until he gets away from Adam Gase. I want to see what he does away from Adam Gase with a semi-competent coach. He does, it's not it wouldn't do him any good if he went somewhere and was, you know, tethered to a bad coach as well, a Hugh Jackson if you will, who's obviously not coaching anymore, but if he went somewhere like that and didn't flourish, I wouldn't hold that against him either. So yeah. So then what's our final judgment here on Cam is are there 32 quarterbacks better than him? No, I, I don't think. No, not at all. I don't think there's a single. I don't, I don't think there's 32. And we yeah. didn't even hit the big one. My arch nemesis, Kirk Cousins. I think Cam Newton is better than my arch nemesis. <laughs> so there's probably 25 that we think are. Maybe I'm biased because better. maybe I'm biased because me and you know Kirk Cousins are rivals and m- mortal enemies. So, eh, I would say yeah. Sounds like there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot. Me and <laughs> Kirk. Cousins. Me and Kirk Cousins have beef. I'm sorry. But you know who doesn't have beef? People who listen to this show and ride out and call us. We'll talk to you guys after the break. Stay here. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater. And in turn, Sting. Great show so far, my man. We've enjoyed sitting here talking. I love what we got going on. One thing is missing. We want to hear from you guys. Call us, 334-321-1390. Open. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you guys again, 334-321-1390. Give us a call. Talk about anything. You can talk about food if you want to. Can't tell. Pretty hungry. Didn't get to eat lunch today, so call in. Tell me what you want me to eat after work. Anything like that. Call in. (laughs) For real, talk about Auburn sports. We'll talk NFL with you. We're going to shift this conversation a little bit. We talked a lot of Auburn basketball. We talked Cam Newton. 
We've talked a lot of uh, SEC basketball in Alabama and the National Scape. Now we're going to go to some losers with the Wheel of Misfortune, one of our favorite segments. We haven't got to do it this week, so let's spin that wheel, Sting. It's time for the Wheel of Misfortune. We take a look at the butt-fumbling, head-scratching choke artist of the week and select the biggest loser on the Wheel of Misfortune. So, Sting, you got one? You want me to go first? How are we feeling over here? Yeah, you go first. Go ahead and spin the wheel here and then... Let's spin it. Let's get it going. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Auburn. I got to go with Auburn basketball. That was, a, that was a tough loss. That was a tough loss last night. I'm going to go with a more traditional one. Normally, you know, I throw some wacky ones out there on the wheel of misfortune, but that was a tough one last night for Auburn basketball. It's tough to see Sharif Cooper on the sideline play, not playing for the Tigers again. You understand the loss. You understand why it happened. But I got to go with Auburn. That was a tough one, and it stings. It stings that it might be Sharif Cooper's last game of the season. It might be his last game as an Auburn Tiger. We might have seen that those days might I be behind not. us. A lot of people hope not. I still think he's coming back at least next season. Big loss. Big loss for the Tigers. So uh, they're going to be by my biggest loser on the wheel of misfortune. All right, Sting, what you got for me? Uh, people like me who don't like blue blood programs such as Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, who are now seeing that there's a very good chance that Duke makes a tournament, that North Carolina makes a tournament. Kansas was probably always going to make the tournament. They were definitely in the best shape out of the four. Kentucky even theoretically has a shot if they can win out in the regular season here and make a run, probably have to win the SEC tournament. But if they got to the tournament finals, I could still see them maybe getting like I, I a still first think, four bid. I still think they have to win. I think it would be hard to put them in unless they just absolutely – dominate up until the finals and then lose a close game to maybe an Alabama or a, you know I think it'd somebody have to be. who's already definitely in yeah I think I think you'd have to see them dominate the SEC tournament so you're telling me you don't like blue bloods you don't like no, seeing blue bloods succeed no I don't like seeing any I, I can't stand it the only one I don't like seeing any of them succeed except for Duke I mean Duke one of three undefeated teams in the country because we don't count games that happened before Jalen Johnson left so two or two and oh since Jalen Johnson left Probably yeah. should be a one seed, you know, if we were being fair and judging them based off the team they are now. They're definitely, definitely probably, you know what, not definitely probably. They're definitely the best team in the country. Duke's probably, Duke is better than Baylor. Duke's better than Gonzaga. They're better than Michigan. Duke is going to go and win this tournament. It's not even going to be close. I mean, they got jump started on that Virginia game. They're and it's because Coach K has rings, right? That's the only reason. Coach K yeah. has a lot of rings. Yeah. No, I, I think it's funny, though. You're seeing a lot of these teams who, the Blue Bloods, who are a lot of them have had a lot of one-and-done talent. You're seeing them come on towards the end of the year because they yeah. missed a lot of that development period during the summer. And everybody says, well, everybody had to go through that. Well, most of these teams aren't completely rebuilding their roster. You think you look at Auburn, who came in, their team wasn't quite as new. They they had a lot of a lot of these players were already on the team. A lot of them were. You have teams like Alabama who are flourishing because a lot of these guys have been there for a while. Gonzaga, Baylor, a lot of these guys have been there. For a while, and you can't, you can't build chemistry in a few weeks. You just can't. Yeah, and no. they missed out. And this is just in defense of why I'm thinking a lot of these blue blue blood programs and guys who cycle through a lot of one and dones. I think that they've been down this year because they just didn't have that off season. They didn't get a chance to really see this team. And now you're starting to see 
after they've been playing some games or getting towards the end of the season, these teams are playing a lot better. And yeah. you're seeing their talent start to shine through now that they've played with each other. Right, yeah, I agree. That's, that's a very good point. I haven't thought about it like that, really. Um, yeah, and, it's just And that's not to say that, every like again, I know everybody had, everybody went through that. I understand that. It's just you see, you can look through the AP Top 25 and you can see the teams that are that are winning and that have looked good this year. They're typically pretty veteran-based teams right now. Yeah. And they, they didn't need... They didn't need the offseason as much as a team like Duke, like Kentucky did, because they are cycling in some more one-and-done talent and kind of overturning a roster. Yeah, you're seeing that from the beginning, more talented roster start to actually play like a more talented roster. Yeah, you're not seeing them play like just... You're seeing them play more of a team, and instead of just individual pieces. Mm -hmm. And teams like Duke, who, you know, Jalen Johnson opted out, completely changed that team. He was holding it guys. Sure, looks like it. He yeah. was he was holding guys back, and he he held a few guys back. They looked like a brand new team. They beat Virginia. They handled Syracuse. Syracuse not that great either, but they handled them. I'm t- I'm telling you, win. this Duke team is dangerous, and I still think that narrative would be hilarious if we got into that situation where it's Duke, Carolina, make Kansas, a deep tournament run, K- Kentucky wins the SEC and sneaks in there. I think it would be fun to see that narrative of a year where everybody said the Blue Bloods are down, they are toast, and then you look up and they're the ones winning the tournament. Yeah, that I would just, crush me. I think just, it's still funny. I, in all honesty, I still don't think any of those teams could handle a team like Baylor or Gonzaga. I think those two teams, and Michigan for that matter, I think those three teams are just a little too overwhelming, especially come tournament team. I mean, I don't think they'd beat a team like Alabama if I'm being honest, just because of what Alabama is and how that could be a lot of fun to watch, actually. How poised they are. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to see a matchup where you have a veteran based Alabama team in the tournament. It's good guard play. We'll say it. You're gonna hear us say veteran guard play carries you through tournaments. You're probably gonna hear us say that about fifty times over the next month. That's just how it is. I would love to see them go up against a team like North Carolina or a team like Duke that sneaks in to the tournament and see what what where they are at. Where is this Alabama program? Are they good enough? A lot like Auburn a few years ago. I'd love to see them go up against some of these blue bloods. They might be down, but they're still talented. They might not have the record, but they are you cannot count out their talent. You cannot count out the talent that Duke has on that roster. Can't count out the talent that North Carolina has on that roster. Same with Kansas. Kansas is playing a lot better. They lost a tough one last night at Texas, but they were competitive. That game went to overtime. A couple of ticky-tacky fouls at the end of the game. Kind of shifted it towards the Longhorns, but you got to capitalize. That's the game of basketball that you play. I'm interested to see how all this pans out. Yeah, so am I. It's it's going to be exciting, that's for sure. I'm I'm really excited to watch this year's tournament, being all in Indianapolis and how, how it's going to be. I think a couple of games. I love in, I love the everybody is in one place. I think yeah. that is such a cool thing that it everybody— It might even end up being how they do it from here on out. Maybe. The Maybe only not, reason but. I don't think they will is because they need money. I think that yeah. revenue money. And then you get I, I think fans. that rent of yeah, I think that revenue generation would be way too much. And th- where you spread it across all these different cities for all of these different games throughout the tournament. So I'm not. I don't think they'll move to that. But we are looking forward to that. And you know what else I'm looking forward to? Another hour. We're gonna Woo. go right into hour number two on on the line. Stick with us. Give us a call. We'll be right back after this break.
are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. I'm Levi Fitzwater here today with me as intern Sting. We are just taking the show for a joyride. Noah Gardner is not here today. He's got some stuff to take care of. We are untethered. We are unleashed. We are unchained. Someone needs to come stop us. And you know how you can stop us? You can call us at 334-321-1390. You're on the line ESPN 1067 Fox Sports Central Alabama. You know what? I'm going to give it to you one more time. Call us 334-321-1390. We're going to kick off hour number two the same way we kicked off hour number one. We're going to talk a little Auburn basketball. 74-57. Florida comes in, beats Auburn. That's not the big story. Big story, Shreve Cooper did not play. What are we thinking about this injury, my man Sting? It's not good for Auburn. I mean, there's only two games left, possibly three, if the SEC reschedules that uh, postponed game against Mississippi State that was supposed to happen when the world kind of ended there for a week. Um, not, Not great, just like Bruce Pearl said after the game, Auburn is just short on guards that they need to be a successful team. Alan Flanagan played 35 minutes last night. David Cambridge played 33. Jamal Johnson played 31. You just can't have that. you you got to have other people in the rotation, other true starters at those one and two spots to be successful. And right now, Auburn just doesn't have that. I mean, just think about this Auburn team and what has happened to them this year. Bruce Pearl was talking about it last night. Yeah, he was. He said, how, uh, how many, many times are we going to get kicked in the gut? Yeah, how many times are we going to get hit in the gut? I mean, let's just, I mean, you can walk through them. You had the self imposed ban at the beginning of the year. So you start off, you're not going to go to the postseason. That's going to hurt fan interest. It's going to hurt team engagement. It's hard to keep your team engaged when there's nothing to play for, especially when you're in a position that Auburn has. If you were, if this team is still undefeated and they were thinking, Hey, we can go undefeated. We can show them. Even if we don't make it to the tournament, we can still win. We could be the best team in the SEC. We could say that we're the best team in the country. We just can't go play in the postseason. Yeah. When you're at this point of the season and you're staring down a losing record, you are you are staring a losing record in the eye, especially if Sharif Cooper doesn't play because it's going to be incredibly hard to beat Tennessee and Alabama. And we do not know the state of that Mississippi game as of right now. It's tough. It's tough to keep yeah. your team engaged. And it's tough to get fan interest involved because they know that it can't, they know they can't go anywhere. So losses become more meh, brush off the shoulders. Wins become more meh, doesn't really matter. If, we've, if yeah. we can win this game, it doesn't matter. We're kind of just playing spoiler at this point for Tennessee and Alabama trying to knock a team like Alabama off that one line or drop Tennessee down to whatever they're at right now. I assume they're probably a, a four or a five seed, maybe a three seed if they're probably, still yeah. loving them. I think four just sounds. Four sounds about right in my head. I'll look that up later on. I think, I just think it just sounds. I would go with five personally. That's just me. They're actually at six, so they are six now in bracketology. They're they're about where I. They're where I think. Well, they're where I think they should be. Yeah. I just know that they have been. 
they've been high on Tennessee this year and they've been high on Missouri this year. So that was my kind of thought yeah, process. Yeah, I don't thinking like they were either for. of those two in terms of I, I just I don't buy we've, the hype. I mean, we've become Missouri haters on the show. We have talked about how Missouri were frauds. They were pretenders all year long, and then they started getting exposed toward the end of the year. They've had a rough stretch ever since just barely escaping Alabama there. Yeah, and then you know Auburn put that loss on them as well. So yeah, the the postseason man that's going to hurt. It's going to kill teaming. It's going to kill engagement on the team sometimes, unless you can find something to rally behind. It's going to also kill any kind of real good fan interest as well. They can't rally behind the team. Then you have the Just Powell concussion. You're already down a guard because Sharif Cooper wasn't playing. Just Powell gets hurt, and yeah. it's not just. I don't look at this injury from basketball perspective. I know everybody else does, and everybody thinks. He's hurt. He can't play. I always think about it from the fact that he was struggling to do schoolwork. Because you got to remember, these kids are student athletes. And for the length of this career, he has been struggling with a concussion so bad that he was struggling with schoolwork. He couldn't be around the team. And that yeah. is just, that is brutal. And we we know the scariness of concussions. We've seen the dark side of CTE and guys like, guys like that who have struggled and I mean, Vincent Jackson's a very recent one that we have seen that they're highly linking some of his issues to CTE. And concussions are no joke. Head injuries are no joke. And I, I just hope that I hope Justin Powell is okay as from a person from a personal standpoint. Yeah. You take him being an athlete away. I'm just hoping that that kid is okay from his personal standpoint. But for the Auburn perspective on the basketball side, you lost the guard. You lost the you lost the only ball handler that you had on this team, and he really isn't even. He's even he is playing out of position. Yes, he's a guard, but he's a two guard. He is a true two. That's yeah. what he is. He's a true two. He wants to play a true two like a Clay Thompson, if you will, if you want to think of a true two. A guy like Devin Booker, who isn't I mean, Devin Booker probably is a little bit better handles, but a guy like that where you're thinking of him as a scorer and a defender, not a ball handler or a facilitator. Right. That's just not yeah. what you think Justin Powell is. Mm-hmm. So you lose him early in the season and you don't have Sharif Cooper, and obviously Justin Powell has not come back. And then you go on to the next list. And again, I'm, I'm taking this from Josh Vitale on uh, Twitter. He listed all these things out for me about the three different ones at Josh Vitale on uh, Twitter. Sharif Cooper missed the first 11 games and getting hurt after just 12 of them. So uh, that's, that's just another Not thing. Great, because that's, that's more than half the season missed. You have your for best. a guy that Auburn fans were really excited about, looking forward to. And then, you know, the first 11 games was basically announced within two weeks of the season started and just kind of out of nowhere oh yeah by the way Sharif Cooper is ineligible to play yeah I mean he's he's the biggest recruit that Auburn's had if I'm not mistaken uh prior to what's happening yeah next ever year. prior to Jabari Smith yeah I committing. mean Jabari Smith is going to be that Jabari Smith is the biggest recruit that Auburn's going to have but Sharif Cooper going into the season he was the biggest recruit that Auburn had he was the most hype player kind of coming in to Auburn basketball especially from the modern age in this Bruce Pearl era, he's been the most hype player coming in. Everybody wanted to see him because they know how talented the kid is. They yeah. know this kid is ridiculously talented. Obviously, missing him for 11 games, that's going to hurt. And hurt, yeah. Auburn was 6-5 and five in those 11 games. Yeah, six and, I think it was 6-5. and five And I, I wouldn't even count that one against Gonzaga <laughs> simply for the fact that uh, I, won't, I won't count that one against Gonzaga because Gonzaga's been thumping everybody. And, I mean, these... These two teams aren't on the same planet right now. I, they probably could have given them a run. I mean, you saw what happened at Baylor when Auburn played Baylor. Who has had a tough? Who has had two tougher non-conference opponents? Auburn had to play against Zaga and Baylor, the 
clear-cut best two teams yeah, in basketball. I, mean, I think Kansas is the only other team that's had to play both of them, but they're Kansas. Like, Yeah, I mean, Kansas, and this year's they Kansas They play a team, schedule like that every year. Yeah, I mean, the Big 12 is loaded. They play that. I mean, even in conference play, they're playing teams mm-hmm. like Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech. Texas West Tech Virginia. Is, yeah, Texas Tech's like the seventh team Oklahoma's in the Big 12. One. Texas, really think about that. Texas Tech, the seventh team in the Big Twelve standings. That's crazy. And they're they were sitting at a four line. Like they were sitting in the top ten a few weeks ago. They yeah, are just cannibalizing themselves in the Big Twelve and in the Big Ten for that matter as well. I mean, you see teams like Illinois dropping to Michigan State. I mean, Minnesota, they snuck one. Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Yeah, they uh, they snuck one away from you know Michigan earlier in the year. You know, uh, yeah, they, the they Golden really, Gophers. Yeah. Oh yeah, Skyuma rode the boat. Go Gophers. But yeah, we uh, Auburn. Auburn is taking a big hit. Auburn basketball is taking a big hit this year. I mean, just gut punch after gut punch. You, it's tough. It's tough. And all sports, they require skill. They require mental. It also requires you for you to catch some breaks. Look yeah. at look at tradi- traditionally look at any sport across any literally any sport any level, and just look at teams that won that championship or made playoff runs, what have you, whatever you want to say. Most of the time, they were the, mo- they were the more healthy team. And that it, it holds a lot truer in terms of professional sports. You see a lot of teams that make deep runs simply for the fact that they're healthy. I think back to the Cavaliers and the Warriors. I think it was the first year they played. Half the Cavs team was hurt. Yeah. Kyrie uh, Irving it, and Kevin Love were both hurt for the final series. And it was just LeBron. Uh, you look back and to... Still went to six. Yeah, the Warriors and the Raptors. Obviously two good teams. Kevin Durant goes down. And, and Clay Thompson, And too. Clay Thompson goes down. You th- you, Curry was still healthy at the time, right? Yes. Yeah, Curry was still healthy at the time. You, just look, you can look throughout history and see a lot of the teams are traditionally the healthier teams. And that comes down to a little bit of luck in terms of just avoiding injury. There are some guys... Like, there are some injuries that are just freak some things just happen I mean Teddy Bridgewater blew out his leg when he was a Minnesota Viking literally just at practice on a non-contact just injury just stuck his foot his foot just hit the ground the wrong way and it popped to use an Auburn example Cam Petway yeah Cam Petway just random freak injuries happen sometimes sometimes injury happen when you're playing the game Sean White gets hurt against Oklahoma or gets uh Georgia didn't look right you could, or you could tell he didn't look right in that game against Georgia that year. You could tell he didn't look right when he played in Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl when he dove for the end zone and hurt himself again. Yeah, things things like that can really just derail a team. And this Auburn team is talented. They are talented. They have their issues outside of that talent. Turnovers a big problem going into next season. You got defensive efficiency. Sometimes they just don't want to play defense or giving up points to everybody. That's a problem. I think on the defensive end last night, I think they played really well. They they held Florida to seventy four points. I think with from what we've seen, I think they played better defensively last night than what we've seen in previous outings, especially against LSU, where you gave up fifty in the first half and then you know came out and get fifty four the second half. No adjustments were made. Yeah, basically scoring every time they touched the ball. Right. I mean, that's it's crazy to think that there. It's crazy to think that they gave up a hundred something points to LSU, and now we're sitting here. They gave up seventy four to. If I told you yesterday that. Auburn would hold Florida to 74 points. You would have thought they either won that game or they were or it was very close. Very close in that game. And yeah. that's what Sharif Cooper does. That's what happens when you don't have a point guard. That is just the game of basketball. Imagine trotting out in football and a lot more people watch football than basketball. What are you going to do if you don't have a quarterback? 
You're not. It's if, not going to be pretty. Well, what are you going to do? If you put, let's just say, for for instance, you put a running back or a receiver or a tight end or what have you at quarterback, it you doesn't. Taysom Hill at quarterback. It doesn't work. I mean, Taysom Hill won some games. He just has zero pocket awareness, and it's sad. He's got all the talent in the world, no pocket awareness. He cannot figure out when the pre- when the pressure's coming. But get on, uh, go back to Auburn basketball. We're going to see where, where do you think this team finishes out? Do you think they're going to drop the next two? Do you think that Mississippi State game gets rescheduled? We'll go on this. I'll say this. We're going to say for hypothetical Mississippi State game, they're going to play it. We'll just say for hypothetical okay. purposes. We'll say that they play Mississippi State. That gives you Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Alabama. What do you think Auburn finishes that stretch with? One and two, so six and 12 in the SEC. I agree with that. I think they could beat Mississippi State. Uh, and I, I, again, I think that fringe is on Sharif Cooper. If Sharif Cooper plays, I think they beat Tennessee, and I think they have a chance to beat Alabama. I don't say I don't think they will, but I think they have a chance to beat Alabama. Without Sharif Cooper, I don't think they have a chance. I don't think they have a chance against Tennessee. Honestly, I think that Mississippi State game is close. That they probably drop yeah. that game to Mississippi State if Sharif Cooper doesn't play. Just the way I've seen this mm-hmm. team play, and they haven't looked good at home this year either. So that's the that, teams. That, yeah, hurt. the times I've seen this team play without Sharif Cooper and or Justin Powell, because Justin Powell had them playing a lot better when Sharif didn't play. Now you're asking Alan Flanagan to play point guard, and that is just a recipe for disaster. That's putting a guy who Bruce Pearl said himself, top ten to fifteen player. In this league. At his position. At his position. At his natural position, yeah. At his position off the ball. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough, Auburn fans, but I'll, I'm just going to say it. Be patient. You got Jabari Smith coming in next year, and if Sharif Cooper stays, that team's going to be absolutely super. That's a Final Four team. That is a championship-caliber team if Sharif comes back and plays alongside Jabari Smith. Yeah, and with Justin Powell, too, I would think to have a threat constantly from the shooting guard position. And also, too, just just think about where this basketball program was before Bruce Pearl, before the 2017-18 season. The Barbie I mean, years. Yeah, just terrible. I mean, there was one year where Auburn was 9-23, and 23, I think. So it has been a lot worse than it is now. Yeah, and it's Auburn basketball fans have gotten a little spoiled to a degree. I think so, and a little bit. I, mean, maybe, I don't think spoiled is necessarily the right word. I think they've just gotten accustomed to some and good things. And now are expecting success. But yeah, I think the last season that this team – like this. This team is still the last one of the last Final Four teams. They, they are still one of the last fi- reigning Final Four teams because we didn't have a tournament last year. Right. And that team was getting kind of hot down the stretch last year as well. Bruce Pearl's just elevated this program to such a degree that you now have you, you have people expecting greatness from them. And if you don't live up to it, it's a little hard. But you know who do, always does live up to greatness? Us. On the line. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama. Check out our podcast. You can find it anywhere. Anywhere you get the podcast. Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. It should be there. It's almost always there if you can find somewhere that has podcasts. More importantly, we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. And if you just had a moment where you weren't listening to me, I'll give it to you again, 334-321-1390. We're going to open up this segment. We had not talked anything about this today. 
with Noah not being here today again, Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. We hadn't talked to any Auburn baseball. A big game last night. Absolute explosion at the plate. 18 to 2, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, run ruled them practically. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they they run ruled them and they didn't play the last few innings of this game. So big explosion. This is what we wanted. It's a midweek game. It's against Alabama AM. It's a team that you just don't want to uh you don't want to come out and look sluggish in the midweek. You're playing Alabama no, A&M. Yeah, because that was a big problem last season for the shortened season. It was Auburn really struggled in the midweek, I remember. Yeah, I mean, they were dropping games to Wofford. They looked, they were getting swept at UCF at, you know, whenever they played UCF, which I don't believe was in the midweek last year. But you got some home runs, you know, Judd Ward, Bryson Ware, Brayton Brown, 14 hits, 18 runs. That's always good showing for offense. And that's a big, that's a that's big to look forward going into, again, today's game and, the Round Rock Classic this weekend where you're going to be playing the likes of Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas A&M. The biggest thing for me in this game, this is what you expected. This is what you wanted. You expected them to handle Alabama A&M, but you were more concerned with looking to see how they hit the ball because if you can't hit the guys that Alabama A&M are throwing out there, you're not going to be able to hit the guys that Baylor, A&M, and Oklahoma are throwing out this weekend. Right, yeah, and the bats look really good. I mean, I'm just looking at the little stat sheet right now. I got six guys with a home run in four games. Judd Ward and Bryson Ware both have two apiece. I believe uh, Ryan Bliss has one. Josh Hall has two triples on the season. It's good. It's, it's good to see the bats going again. Inferior competition. They played Presbyterian. They played Alabama right, A and M. Again, it's a little bit of inferior competition, but it is worth noting that Sunday we saw the bats struggle a little bit. They struggled to hit breaking balls. You had Bryson Ware struggling to hit breaking balls this past Sunday. And you you didn't want that to carry over into this game. You didn't want it to carry over and have a bad day at the plate. You right. wanted to get you wanted to get them going. That's exactly what you wanted today. You wanted to get the bats going, going into the Round Rock Classic with your bats hot. That's that's all you wanted to see out of this. You wanted to see how engaged was this team in the midweek. Auburn traditionally a bad midweek team. They, they just haven't been a good midweek team. And you saw it last year firsthand when they lost to Wofford. It's good to see that they're winning these games as they should. It's even better when you see what the offense did and how they hit up 18-2 to two score. Yeah, just really just domination from start to finish in every facet of the game. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Again, they're playing Alabama and A&M today as well for a small little two just a you know little two game series i believe they kick off, i believe they uh first pitch is gonna be 4 p.m central standard time today you're gonna have jack socal on the mound for that one no we'll be back tomorrow we're gonna go way more in depth on what this win today means and what happens in the game later this afternoon when noah comes back tomorrow we will go more in depth and talk about what that means for this weekend going in the round rock classic now we're going to shift that conversation over to football, somewhere that I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about. You know, I love football. It's probably the f- sport I'll watch the most and enjoy the most. We're going to talk about Mark Anthony Richards, former Auburn running back. He's going to UCF. He's going to be a Golden Knight with Gus Malzahn. Yeah, this I was actually really surprised to see that because I felt like he transferred out of Auburn because he wasn't getting carries. He wasn't being used. By Gus Malzahn, and then he decides to transfer to Malzahn's 
next job. So, and I mean, maybe that means that he is going to be the guy at UCF. I don't know what the Knights running back room looks like. So maybe there is that guarantee is that there's nobody really here in front of you. So Richards will get a lot of carries. I mean, he he was in a crowded room last year, and they they liked him a lot coming out of camp. He just got buried behind Tank Bigsby, which there's nothing wrong with that. My biggest thing was he was behind Sean Shivers and DJ Williams. So how how he was used at Auburn, I don't think that's indicative of what Gus is going to do at UCF because he doesn't have those names in front of him. I don't think he transfers to UCF to go along with Gus Malzahn if he didn't feel like he was about to go in and be a starting running back and or contribute heavily on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree completely. So, I mean, I I wish him all the best. I'm glad to see that he's going somewhere where he thinks he's going to be used more, and I hope he gets used more because he ended up, I think, actually leading the team in rushing in a uh, blowout loss to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. So he ha- he has the chops, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, he's he's talented. He was a former four-star. He has a former four-star uh, running back coming out. And just over here looking this up right now, UCF did lose their top two rushers okay. from this year. So he's going to have a chance to play, and I believe that is definitely going to – that's going to it's going to give him a chance to play. He's going to be able to go play, and it's a system that he's familiar with. He doesn't have to go play. He doesn't have to go. He doesn't have to go learn a completely new system. He knows this system. He's been at Auburn. He knows the Gus Malzahn offense. He can go in and he can play. Honestly, he's probably going to get a good chance to start because I don't think there are going to be that many running backs on UCF's team that are leaps and bounds better than him. Yeah. and he's a guy that knows the system. It'd be easy uh, for head start that way. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's easy for. You know, UCF to plug and play. It's easy for Gus Malzahn to sit here and think, you know, this guy already knows the system. He knows the scheme. I know he's talented. I know what he does well. I can try to put him in a position to succeed. And I think that that's, like, I, I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to go down there and play. I think it's going to work out well. Inferior talent in the AAC, in the American Athletic Conference. I think Mark Anthony Richards can go to UCF. Again, they lost their top two rushers. They lost their top two rushers on that offense. He can go down there and really make an impact at the bounce house in Orlando for Gus Malzahn. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Sticking with the recruiting trail, Holden Jariner, he got bumped up to a four-star by 24-7. We were talking about him yesterday, looking at some of his seven-on-seven highlights, what we liked about him, the prospect himself. He is now a four-star, which which we've noted that we thought he was going to bump up. He, right. his, his sophomore season was what had him as a three star, and then he came out and played well. His or he came out and played well the past two years, and you got to think this kid's a four star now. I mean, he might. I don't think he'll hop up to a five star. I, I think that's just way too. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of an exclusive club, right? So, but I, I did get get a chance to see a couple of highlights here during a break, and it looks pretty good to me. I mean. It'll be interesting to see how Brian Harson handles the quarterback room because, as we all know, we have Demetrius Davis presumably going to be the second quarterback on the roster behind Knicks unless yeah, I mean, something I, surprising happens in camp. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Demetrius Davis behind Bo Nix unless something happens that we don't know about. I just like the fact that we're getting – that Auburn was, Auburn was early to this guy. Auburn got him and started talking to him, got a commitment from him when he was a three-star. You look at his stats. Got to keep first, him. Yeah, you look at his stats. His first season, he was he threw for fourteen oh five, 
14 passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions. We talked about that yesterday. He cut that down to 24 passing touchdowns and three interceptions the next year. Really improved. And I think, again, I think Mike Bobo saw something in this kid. I think Mike Bobo was looking hard at the guy. Maybe looking to get him to South Carolina. Yeah, I think I think he's probably had his eye on this guy for a while, and he saw potential from this kid. He saw something. I mean, he's a 6'3", 180-pound pro-style quarterback. That is, he's a taller guy, but not too tall. We've seen what happens when you see the 6'5", 6'6", guys who are pro-styles, a lot like the Brock Brock Osweilers of the world, where they just seemed a little too tall at times. 6'3", really good size for a quarterback, 180 pounds, from Savannah, Georgia. I think this kid could be the real deal. I think he could come in. I think he could redshirt a year and end up playing. I mean, he could come in and usurp a role from Demetrius Davis if he's not playing that well or if he transfers out because he's not getting playing time. I mean, there's nothing saying that Demetrius Davis wouldn't start this year. I don't think that happens. He would absolutely have to wow them at training camp. This this coaching staff has no allegiance to former players. Right. None at all. They have no allegiance to former players, and I think that this kid could come in. I think he's a real deal. I think he's going to... Dude, I think he's going to flourish very well at the collegiate level. I'm, it makes me feel well that we uh, we were on here talking yesterday, and we said that we think this kid's going to get bumped up to a four-star when it's all said and done. Woke up this morning, saw that 24-7 sports are, you know, this this uh, early, early afternoon, as you, if you want to call it, like right before, right before noon, when I'm looking, getting prepared, and I see that uh, 24-7 sports has updated him to a four-star. So all you three-star you three-star haters that you're tired of seeing Auburn bring in all the three stars from the last class. Not this year. We got two four stars added to that hall. Yeah, this see, week, yeah, very recently. So exactly, and now you got a four star going in at the next class as well for Holden Garner. I, I like the kid. I like it. Look at his. Uh, look at his highlights. Go on twenty four seven Sports and look at those seven on seven highlights. He spins the ball really well. He looks. Like, he looks like he can make progressions again. No line. No rush. It's easy to make progressions when you don't have guys in your face like that. Right. Yeah. So, and of course, it's a completely different game at the college level in the SEC as opposed to high school ball. But looks like a pretty good project. I mean, Harson and his guys clearly want him. There's a reason for that. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. And completely overlooked by this, Powell Gordon, now a uh, three star recruit as well. That's the Auburn High School defensive end I think he's more of a he's a defensive end outside linebacker build I presume that he would end up playing outside linebacker in this system again we hit on the we hit it on the head so many times that Powell Gordon a local kid and Brian Harson is showing interest in some of these local guys yeah you gotta get those homegrown kids for sure and that's good and we you know now he's a three-star you got Holden Garner a four-star but you know what a five you know he's a five-star All on the line is a five-star recruit. Stay with us and listen to us after the break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. Listen to us on ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central, Alabama 98.3. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And again, if you missed that phone number, I'll give it to you one more time because I'm just in a generous, loving mood today. 334-321-1390. Last segment, we were talking about some of the recruits holding Garner. He just got his four-star 
rating from 24-7. Powell Gordon, the Auburn kid, he's a three-star now. He's got his three stars. He is the number 37th outside linebacker in the country, which is what you'd assume he'd play at Auburn in that system that they're employing. He only has one other Power 5 offer as well, and that's from Vanderbilt. I assume that'll probably change over the coming months. But it's, it's looking pretty hot to Auburn right now. I mean, he's a local kid. We'll see if he wants to stay here. That would be huge. I think that's such – I think it's a big deal. I think it's a really big deal when you think about how Brian Harson has been recruiting the area with guy with a guy like Powell Gordon and also, you know, Eston Harris out of Beauregard. He's a guy who's got offers all over the table. I mean, you can see him. He's got, he's got Arkansas. He's got Florida State. He's got Auburn. He's got Nebraska and Iowa, Kentucky, Louisville, Memphis, Miami, Mississippi State, Missouri – Ole Miss, Oregon, Penn State, South Carolina, Tennessee, USC. I mean, this guy that has is a lot of offers. Yeah, wow. the kid out of Borgard, he's got a lot, a lot of offers. 24-7 has him warm going to Auburn. That would be a huge pickup. It for, would be. That would be a very big pickup to get this three-star tackle who could, again, improve to a four-star. He is 6'6", 275 is what he's listed at. He's 35th offensive tackle in that 2022 recruiting class. Could be a big bolster. You know, you got a guy like Will Friend who probably could sell him on the fact that he's been putting guys in the NFL and had them at playing at the next level. We're seeing Harson take interest to these guys who are local, and that's huge. And now we're going to shift the conversation a little bit away from the guys coming into Auburn to the guys who are leaving Auburn, who might be going to the next level here. We're going to talk NFL draft right around the corner. We got that wrapped up. So we got a few guys. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Who do you think is going to? Who do you think? Who do you think will have the best NFL career out of the guys that we're seeing leave so far? Best NFL career. All right. I think it's probably a tie between Seth Williams and Jamie and Sherwood. I think. I think it's Jamie and Sherwood. I think. I think he's. Gonna, I think his draft's going to fall a little bit because he left early. Just because I think he could have used that extra year to kind of come back and develop a little bit. But I think he. I think he falls into a good place. I think he's going to be a real value pick. He might be a day three guy. I think he'll probably end up being day two. Uh, he'll probably fall somewhere between like the fourth and fifth round. Maybe a third could be if you see a team that really likes him, if he wows them with some of his abilities. I think he could do something really well. Anthony Schwartz, I'm not completely sold on him. Uh, speed doesn't get you that far in the NFL. I think I want to see him in a system where he's running pro routes. I want to, yeah. I want to see him with a professional route tree, and I want to see him – be implemented more than just running go routes down the field. I, that's that's just something I want to see. I want to see him doing more than just go routes down the field and being overthrown by Bo Nix 10 yards out of the back of the end zone. He could develop into something nice. I know everybody's going to mock him to the Chiefs. Everybody's going to say that the Chiefs are going to get him because uh, they have Tyreek Hill, because they have Mecole Hardman. I, what has Mecole Hardman done? Just make the Legion zoom even faster, huh? Mecole Hardman is, again, one of the most consistent players in the NFL by being consistently bad every year just like Sony Michelle I don't want to hear anything about Miko Hardman I think Anthony Schwartz probably goes I'll somewhere in, I mean he's not good he's not good if he was good he'd be getting more playing time let's let's fair, be honest. he, he, would, he would be doing better if he played he has played he plays with the best quarterback that we have ever seen in terms of talent from a pure talent perspective we see Patrick Mahomes is the greatest at doing that so we just see that uh, he is the absolute greatest at doing that. And what has McCall Hartman done with him? Nothing. That's why I think I don't think Anthony Schwartz is going to the Chiefs. I think that's just like that's the fancy one that everybody wants. That's the shiny one that everybody's like, oh, he's going to go play with Patrick Mahomes. I don't see that. He'll get picked up somewhere. Maybe the Raiders. John Gruden loves speed. I mean, you saw what he did with Henry Ruggs last year. Henry Ruggs didn't have a great year in the NFL as well. 
It's yet to be seen. I, I wouldn't hate seeing Schwartz in uh, the black and silver. No, I mean, those uni- oh, those uniforms are so, so clean. Uh, KJ Bread, I think he'll get picked up by a team later on. Yeah, maybe I think a, he's a day three guy. He's a, if he gets drafted, he's a day three guy. I think he was impressive at the Senior Bowl. I think that up to his draft him. stock. If he doesn't get drafted, I could see him as a, a undrafted free agent. He's going to make somebody's special teams unit pretty well. Like I think he's going. I yeah. think he's going to do some very good things on special teams. Probably a good practice squad guy to have out there running some scouts and whatnot as well. And then we can think of Seth Williams, another guy who I think is going to get drafted. I think it'll be late. Uh, he'd have to really wow some people and kind of get on their radar. But I just don't see him. I don't see him going higher than fifth. I mean, this receiver class is loaded. I mean, I could see him. May, I can see him maybe fourth. I can see him maybe fourth, but fifth, sixth round is what I'm thinking. There's just too many good receivers in this class. I mean, you think of a guy who's probably going in the second or third round, Rashad Bateman, who is just leaps and bounds ahead of Seth Williams right now, in my opinion. I do think Seth Williams would be a huge steal for whoever ends up taking him i mean i think so as well he just has to go to the right situation i think he could go to a team that might be receiver needy uh again a team that comes to mind for me a team like the jets who don't have a lot of receiving talent the saints they're probably going to be releasing emmanuel sanders just for cap reasons you could you could find worse from a guy like seth williams late in this draft or a guy like anthony schwartz who is anthony schwartz fits like a glove with what sean payton likes to do with having those guys that just possess some speed and do some crazy things that would be a place that I could see them kind of go in late round or UDFA and undraft free agent if Anthony Schwartz makes it that far. I think someone will fall in love way too much with the speed. I'll, I'll hot take it. I think Anthony Schwartz probably ends up going above Seth Williams for the simple fact that I think someone will fall in love with, with what speed. They're just going to fall in love with that speed. I think, I think that's what they'll do, and I think that's what would get him on a roster. I mean, you think about it. Even if he doesn't pan out as a wide receiver, you're thinking a special teams gunner or a special teams player yeah. that possesses speed, and a lot of teams look for guys like that to boost up later in the rounds. But you draft him higher than Seth Williams with the thought that he's going to come in. Yeah, and that he could be the next Tyreek Hill. You could, yeah, you can develop into him into a speedy receiver, and it's no secret that the Gus Malzahn scheme doesn't implore a lot of routes and yeah. doesn't utilize its players to their best ability. Yeah. yeah. So I think that if... I think a lot of teams, I think NFL scouts are probably aware of that, and I think that they're sitting there thinking this guy may be given a chance, and they're probably thinking that with Seth Williams as well. This guy's given a chance in a legitimate offense, a legitimate NFL offense. Mm-hmm. I think he could be something special, and you're look, you can look at worse things in those late rounds. Yeah, I agree. It's... The problem is receiving class this year is just so loaded, Very man. Loaded. It's loaded. I mean, you look at... There's going to be three guys who might go top 10 or might go uh, top eight, if I'm thinking correctly. I mean, you got Jalen Waddle, you got Devontae Smith, you got Jamari Chase. People forgot about him because he didn't play this year. It's a tough class. It's a tough class to be a receiver. It is kind of top heavy, but I think those are some guys. I think those are the guys that you're looking at for Auburn's team that will get drafted. Eli Stove, I don't see a chance that he gets drafted anywhere. I'm, yeah, I don't either. I, I'm on the record loving Eli Stove. I, I think Auburn's going to miss him so much. I think he's a great receiver, but I just I just don't see a spot for him on an NFL team's uh, draft board. Yeah, I think I, it's it's hard because I love the guy so much. I love what he's done for Auburn. Eli Stove was just Auburn's going to miss him. Yeah, so Auburn's going to miss that guy. He was he was a, he was just a guy that people liked him too. Like all the fans liked him. Fans are going to miss him. I just think that he is an undrafted free agent out of the draft at best. I think he's going to be a practice squad receiver. I could be wrong. I mean, I could be absolutely wrong. I've seen crazier things happen. I just don't. Uh, I don't see him getting drafted. 
at all. I mean, I just I see somebody picking him up, and I just see someone. And you hope he can make it through um, the preseason. Yeah, you're hoping he doesn't get cut. You're hoping the guy like that makes it through the preseason and ends up on a you know on a roster somewhere. I just don't see it. So I think so. Who you're going with that you think is going to be. You, who do you think is going to have the better career again? Like just to kind of go back on that, you said Seth Williams, I think, or did you say Jimmy? Yeah, Sherwood? but I think you've convinced me for Sherwood. I think Sherwood's probably going to have the better career out of the guys. I think he just has more talent. Um, I don't know if he'll be the first selected again. I just have this weird feeling that Schwartz is going to get on someone's radar for that speed, and it's not. Think of like a John Ross. John Ross had no business being a first round selection by the Bengals. They fell in love with his speed. He has Anthony Schwartz has a real chance to break that, you know, break that speed record, the forty uh, yard dash record. And I think, I think he does, and I think someone just falls in love with it. It's it's that simple. It's that simple that someone is going to fall in love with his speed. And I think they're going to look at him and view him as a guy who can just bring electricity, you know, to to their team, whether it's returner which I don't think is the right way to go, or just like a gadget player, you know, a fast receiver. You, you want to get involved in the screen game and things like that. Sweeps, maybe? Yeah, you know, we, we saw Tyreek Hill develop into a receiver. He really wasn't even being used as a receiver to the level that he is now. Right. I mean, there was the, what was it, the Jalen Ramsey quote a few years ago that was uh, described him as uh, a returner, not a receiver. And he kept saying that, He's a returner, not a receiver, and now he's developed into a receiver. And you can see something like that for Anthony Schwartz. I, I think someone's going to fall in love with him. I think Seth Williams has. I think Seth Williams has potential if he goes somewhere that could utilize him and his skill set. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be wild and it's going to look weird. But I think Anthony Schwartz is still going to be the guy that goes ahead of Seth Williams. I think it's going to happen. All right. Yeah, we'll watch that. that, that, that I'll keep an eye on it, but I think that's it. I think I think he'll. Uh, I think he is going to I think he's going to leap forward him in the draft. We got one more segment coming up after this break. I mean, this show just flew by thing. What have we been doing? What we, what is happening? Having we too have much having fun. way too much fun. And you know how you're going to have too much fun if you stay with us on the other side of this break when we wrap up on the line. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and intern Sting. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama. Had a great time. Good show today. Noah will be back tomorrow with us as usual. To wrap up the show, first I want to go ahead and just again iterate Auburn basketball, Auburn high school basketball, double overtime winner, made it to the final four. It's huge. It's huge for the, the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, just really heart racing game for sure. Real nail biter. I mean, I believe Fairhope had two buzzer beating shots, one sent it to overtime and one sent it to a second overtime. And Auburn ended up winning off of uh, Noah Warren. I believe just a crazy floater bounced all over the rim off the backboard. Yep, fell in. They got it. And friend of the show, Jacob Hillman, was on the call for that game. And if you haven't looked, if you haven't seen the video of that floater that Sting was talking about, it's surfacing around on Twitter. I'm pretty sure Justin Ferguson quoted a tweet that had it in there. Go look at Coach Brandt's celebration. It will make you happy if you follow the Auburn high school basketball team. Again, congrats to the young men. I think it's a great thing for the local area that they are making it to the Final Four, and I'm wishing them 
the best of luck. Let's wrap up the show here. Haven't really got to talk a lot about this over the past few weeks. We've just been, we've just had a lot of Auburn, a lot of Auburn talk that we've gotten to. So since I'm unchained, since I'm untethered, we will figure out. We'll just go ahead and recap some of the moves that have been going on in the NFL. Carson Wentz, he's a Colt. Do you like the moves thing? Ooh, I, hmm, I don't know. That's I, I think the Colts gave up fair value. Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz. Because you got to think, it's not just for what you're getting out of Carson Wentz. You're also taking on his massive contract. Yeah. And the the one thing, I think it's a great move for the Colts in terms of you're reuniting him with Frank Reich. I don't know if it's going to work. But Monty Jones, he made a good point. How many times have you seen a quarterback play well, regress, and then start playing well again? You really don't see him. You, you don't see it that often out of quarterbacks. Especially Maybe once. You, you can see guys who aren't great and then develop very well but you don't see a guy who's playing at MVP level regress to what Carson Wentz was and then come back to it to an MVP level but that might just be because Frank Reich wasn't there I mean he could Frank Reich could really revive his career he could really make him into something well I mean the Colts Colts have a good line one of the biggest problems was that Carson Wentz he was getting hit he was getting hit a lot he was getting sacked a lot line kind of gave up on him because it, it was kind of funny when Jalen Hurts came in line all of a sudden figured out how to block when Carson Wentz was in, they couldn't block for him. Ouch! So you're you're going to a really good line with the Indianapolis coach, with the Indianapolis Colts, really good one. Um, their weapons lackluster. I think they'll probably go receiver in the draft now that they've got a quarterback. I think it's pretty guaranteed that they're going to try to go out and get a guy, Michael Pittman. Uh, he's you know the young guy who's coming on. I think T. Y. Hilton is a free agent, might not resign with them. I think you go out and get some weapons. Jonathan Taylor's a beast at running back. Naheem Himes, if he's uh, coming back, those guys really good. I think it fits well for Carson Wentz, yet to be seen. Um, there was some news about J.J. Uh, Watt getting released that we hadn't really talked too much about. Yeah, kind of taking his time with deciding where. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. He's, he scrolls through the list of DoorDash and Grubhub or what, you know, yeah. a couple times before he makes a decision. Right. He's got he's going to take his time to make a decision on this. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see who offers him. I Wonder if the Steelers are going to be serious about signing him just because they already have the other two Watt brothers. Yeah, I I don't know. I would like to see it personally. I've seen I've seen three teams mentioned more than once, like three teams that are heavily Who? linked. I've seen the Browns. I've right. seen the Browns. I've seen the Steelers, and I've seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for all that is holy in this world, for anything that is good, please, please do Tampa. not let. Please, please don't let I that happen. That. I can't. I can't do that. I can't take it. I can't no. take it. Please keep him away from Tampa. I don't even me. have like a division rivalry with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I can't handle that. It's just it's just Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. We just want to see him not get JJ Watt. I think I would like to personally. I would like to see him with the Browns. He already wins enough without him. He doesn't need JJ Watt to win. I would just personally like to see him on the Browns. You can't double team him and Miles Garrett as long no, as you're not be- having to pay him way too much. You know, as long as you're getting them for a fair price, I, I they can't double team both. PFF right. has some stats on how many. T- I think JJ Watt was like the sixth most double team player last year on yeah. the defensive and that's line. That's why he doesn't produce so much anymore because he's he's getting no longer as athletic as he used to be. So he can't fight through those double teams. Yeah. on every single play. He's not he's not in his prime, but that doesn't mean that he's completely washed. Right. A lot of people just will look at a box score and say, "Oh, JJ Watt did nothing." Yeah. When he's actually done, true. he's actually been doing really well. Tell the whole story. So yeah. And uh, some other ones, Russell Wilson, the reported floor for Russell Wilson is three first-round picks. Whew. Your Texans might need a quarterback. Are you giving up three first-round picks to try to get the Russell Texans Wilson? Texans don't have enough first-round picks <laughs> to get Russell Wilson with. That's how I feel. I, the, it's a pipe dream for the Saints to get him in my book. I don't think Russell Wilson's moving. I, 
you can't trade Russell Wilson unless he wants to be traded. Like Russell Wilson, you don't move on from him. I know me and yeah. Noah had this conversation a little bit ago where if Russell Wilson is on your team and he is not just actively saying, I'm out or I'm not, pl- like, if you don't trade me, I'm not playing, I'll, you know, like a Deshaun Watson situation. Yeah. I don't think you're trading him unless you are just completely trying to rebuild or whatever. I don't think that's happened. I don't think you, I don't think Russell Wilson's moving. If he did, I'd like to see him go to the Saints just, you know, for fun, but uh, yeah, yeah, for fun, right? No, no personal benefit. Yeah, no personal benefit whatsoever. I just think him and Sean Payton will work well <laughs> together. It's a good, it's a pretty good line. Um, how altruistic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another quarterback uh, news with Deshaun Watson. He said that he would approve a trade to the Jets, the Dolphins. No, neither of those are surprised, but the wild card, the Panthers, that seems to be gaining traction. You know, interesting. Went to Clemson. He was a Carolina guy. It just seems seems like a fit. Um, you got an up and coming coach and Matt Rule. Yeah, Matt, Matt Rule. Joe Rule's. Brady is going to be probably your position coach, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, you, you can't get you can't get better. I think Matt Rule is just such a phenomenal coach. He's won everywhere he's been. He won at Temple. He won at Baylor. Let, let's be honest. Before he got the Panthers, obviously NFL is a different game. He did not quite have the talent to compete last year. Yeah, and and his losing first year. McCaffrey early. Yeah, good. I mean, your best player was hurt mo- the entire year, pretty much. Let, let's be honest. You had your be- like you had your best player hurt for a long time. Dude won at Temple. He won at Baylor. You also have you know two teams in the division in the Saints and the Buccaneers, who were you know pretty good. Kind of made it to the playoffs. One kind of won a Super Bowl. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Here. it's hard to get through those two teams. Right. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. I hadn't really heard the Panthers before. I say I I think that one just that one I just came today. I thought I had also heard the Broncos in there somewhere. I don't know if yeah, the Broncos I, would be willing to part ways with a young guy like Log. I mean, I guess Watson's still really young too. I mean, if he yeah, if but he's with that kind of contract. I mean, they're only paying they're they're, they're paying Drew Lock pennies. So yeah, I mean, if he's available, if Deshaun Watson's available and you're looking for a quarterback, you're going to come knocking. Um, Nick Underhill of the Saints beat says he expects Jameis Winston to be the starter next year. I. Look, Nick Underhill, for anybody who doesn't know, he is a guy who is probably one of the best beat writers out there at covering their team. Uh, Alvin Kamara even went on to say, if Nick Underhill Nick Underhill knows things before they even happen, before he even ties his shoes, Nick Underhill knows that Alvin Kamara has tied his shoes. That is just something that is going to happen. And I think James Winston is going to end up being the starter. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think the Bears are going to pull him away. I don't think that James. I think if James Winston's looking in the mirror and he says, "I want to win," I think he knows. I think with Sean Payton in New Orleans is just a better fit than going up into Chicago and playing with the Bears right now, as the Bears are currently constructed compared to what the Saints have to offer for him. Yeah, so I I, I think that's spot on. No Taysom Hill. I don't think Taysom Hill's going to get. I think James Winston's got that starting job locked up for the Saints in the coming years. That's going to leave the Bears on the outside looking in for a quarterback. Maybe a guy like Mac Jones in the draft would be something. Maybe stick around with Mitch Trubisky for a few longer. Make a push at Dak. Dak's a free agent this year. Make a push for him. Oh, no. Are we done? Yeah, I know. It just came up so quick. Man, what a great show. Another great episode. We should let Noah have the mic back. Yeah, another great great (laughs) episode of On the Line. We will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.